is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. CDC ready to sign off on the Pfizer vaccine for 5 to 11-year-olds, but it might take some time for Moderna's vaccine to be approved for kids. Open enrollment's underway, 2022 health insurance plans. And it looks like the pandemic is going to make holiday travel a mess this year. We start with the vaccines for kids. CDC going to approve the Pfizer shots, 5 to 11-year-olds, but Moderna's not going to get that same approval soon. Concerns about a side effect, a heart inflammation. Dr. Dean Blumberg, pediatrician, infectious disease specialist, UC Davis Health. So, doctor, what are you hearing from parents of young kids who are going to be eligible to get that shot? There are many parents that are eagerly awaiting the vaccine, especially with children returning to in-person learning at school. They're concerned that their kids are at higher risk of infection and that they may bring it home and infect other family members. Now, you know, parents, uh, of course, are concerned about side effects and they hear about all kinds of side effects that adults have and that kids may have. How can you address that? Yeah, so most of the side effects that occur in children occur less in the 5 to 11-year-olds compared to the older children and adults. These include things like fever, fatigue, um, and injection site pain. So they seem to tolerate it better, and possibly that's because it's one-third the dose for older children and adults. And are we sure there has been enough testing to know that something won't be different in the kids rather than adults, uh, that something won't go wrong? Because, you know, they're still growing, they're still changing. Yeah, and so that's why the FDA requires these larger studies before they even approve use in children. So that's why they required uh, the study that for the safety data cohort had more than 3,000 children, and they approved the use in children last week. So let's now shift from Pfizer's vaccine for kids to Moderna. And as we mentioned in the setup, uh, that's a little bit on hold because of uh, some more questions about the Moderna vaccine with, with children. Why is that? Yeah, so the Moderna vaccine is um, slightly different. So they're using a half dose um, of the adult dosage. And they did a study in six to 11-year-old children, more than 4,700 children. The antibody responses were excellent, 50% higher compared to 18 to 26-year-olds. But they still wanted, the FDA still wanted further safety data. And that's because of the extremely rare event that may occur in children, which is myocarditis. And it appears to be slightly more common with the Moderna vaccine compared to Pfizer. This is a really rare event. It's so rare that it's hard to get data, even, even if you study thousands of children. And you're also more likely to get it from straight COVID than the COVID vaccine. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. So from the vaccine, the the CDC, the estimates are a little bit wide, but they estimate somewhere between two and 70 myocarditis cases may occur out of every million doses of vaccine in this age group. And compare that with COVID infection, the rates are about 100 times higher between 200 and 800 cases per million cases of COVID. And then for Miss C, the multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children, it's a thousand times higher risk of, of myocarditis if you get Miss C. So have you found from your experience that, that parents are more concerned about the COVID shot than other shots that kids routinely get? Or are they now starting to express skepticism about all vaccinations across the board because of their skepticism when it comes to the COVID shots? 
Yeah, I, I think the vaccine hesitancy was already in place before the COVID vaccines were available for children. Um, you know, vaccine hesitancy has been increasing over the past um, several years, and much of this is driven by conspiracy theories on social media. And social media really just allows these conspiracy theories to flourish, and some of them have no scientific merit whatsoever, and some just have the thinnest of scientific connection just to make them sound credible. We mentioned it's the tinier dose. Uh, is it still a couple doses, you know, the, the two course? And then maybe do we expect that someday the kids also need boosters? Yeah, maybe. It's still two doses. So for the Pfizer, it's two doses of the one-third of the adult dose, 21 days apart, same as it is for older children and adults. And we just don't have the data yet um, to know whether the children will need boosters. I would anticipate that, similar to older children and adults, that immunity will wear off over time. Um, you know, right now, though, what we're seeing for most people is when the immunity wears off, it results in mild breakthrough infections that don't require hospitalization, um, whereas the immunity for severe disease that requires hospitalization persists for those less than 65 years of age. So uh, Mike and I want to know where you stand on the lollipop controversy, because we are in the lollipop camp when it comes to five to 11 year olds. The lollipop guild? Yes. Dentists be damned. But what do you think? No way. I'm staying on the side of my dentist for sure. Ah, it's, it's stickers oh. and, and Band-Aids, too. They get to choose their, their branded Band-Aids. Because he's got an office, you know, right down the way. You can see him. And then, oh, there's Dr. Blumberg over there. I'm going to get him in trouble. Um, finally, before we let you go, I mean, how important, just because we know uh, how kids can be in carrying things around, is getting the younger set vaccinated and not waiting. Uh, because if we're ever going to get to high levels of immunity, we need them because they're coughing and sneezing on everything. The most important reason for children to get vaccinated is for their own personal health. For 5 to 11-year-olds in the U.S., there's been one, more than 1.9 million cases, more than 8,000 hospitalizations, and 94 deaths. So over the past year, COVID is tied for the eighth leading cause of death in this age group. So they need to be vaccinated to protect themselves. And then secondarily, it'll protect other members of the community also. Dr. Dean Blumberg, pediatrician, infectious disease specialist, UC Davis Health. Now is the time to enroll in health insurance plans for 2022. Open enrollment underway and runs through January. And with COVID-19, it is very important to make sure you pick the right plan. But there's some concerning new data showing most seniors have nowhere near enough money in their savings accounts to deal with potential medical emergencies. Many say they'd have to dip into a credit card. Elaine Wong-Eakin, Medicare Benefits Specialist, Independent Licensed Agent. Uh, Elaine, your advice for dealing with what can be a pretty confusing marketplace. I really, really encourage people to work with a local agent, someone who takes time to get to know your needs, and someone who is knowledgeable about plans in your area. So this Medicare open enrollment is technically called the annual election period, and it's for people to change Medicare Advantage plans, also called Medicare Part C and Medicare Part D plans. And uh, Part D plans are available statewide, but Medicare Advantage plans are specific to your county. Um, so again, find an, a local agent who 
can work with you one-on-one -on -one to know your needs, and those needs include your financial needs. So, so for people who, who are confused, and probably many are, uh, Medicare Advantage plans are essentially private policies, right, that you, you would buy uh, in, in kind of substitution for Medicare because it becomes a private coverage, which covers things that Medicare doesn't necessarily coverage, but there are downsides to that, right? Yeah, so all you said, it, it's correct. They Medicare Advantage is also Medicare Part C. So it is part of the Medicare program and it bundles in Medicare Part A, which is hospital institutional benefits, Part B, which is outpatient medical services. And many um, Medicare Advantage plans also include prescription drugs. So your Part D benefits are also included. Okay, so that's different from another type of product called Medicare Supplement, also called Medigap. So that's totally different. And this open enrollment is not for changing Medicare uh, Supplement or Medigaps. Is it going to cost me a lot of money to find someone to help me figure out how to save the money? That's a great question. Licensed agents are not allowed to charge you for their services. So uh, you pay the plan for premiums, cost sharing, uh, whatever the, the plans cost. So the agent is paid by the carrier uh, in, in commissions. So you don't pay a licensed agent for their services. Okay, but, that, but, but, but when it comes to, to Medicare Advantage plans, which, as we mentioned, are, are really sort of private uh, plans, uh, there's always the potential, I'm not saying that, that all agents would do this, but it might be a natural inclination to steer people toward the plans that they represent as, as agents. Is there an unbiased person at the state level where you or county level that you can go to who doesn't have a, you know, a, a, a sort of a dog in the shell? Well, there are, you know, agents who work for carriers, who are employees of, empl of carriers, but, and then there are agents who are brokers. They represent different carriers. So, you know, maybe a bit more unbiased um, that way. Elaine, so, um, huh? yeah, so you, you can find, you know, as an agent, if they represent um, more than one carrier, all right. Elaine Wong-Eakin there, Medicare Benefits Specialist, Independent Licensed Agent. Elaine, thanks for talking to us. Coming up, how to deal with an especially hectic holiday travel season. First it was Spirit, then Southwest. Now it's American Airlines canceling thousands of scheduled flights over the last few days. The pandemic-related travel problems nowadays seem to be never-ending. And what's going to happen for the holidays? Brett Snyder, author of the Cranky Flyer blog, director of the Cranky Concierge Air Travel Service. So, Brett, what can people do to avoid some of these uh, headaches? Well, I mean, I think you should just get a private jet, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. No, I, I look, it's probably not going to be that bad. But if everyone goes into it with that, then they can only be pleasantly surprised. So that's that's good. Good news. point. Uh, that's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> Think no, of the worst it, if you make your flight. Hey, it wasn't so yeah, bad. Expect yeah, to be right. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> But it has, there have been a lot of problems, especially this month. We've seen three different airlines have, have big issues. Um, the airlines know that holiday travel, especially now when business travel still hasn't really returned, uh, th this is kind of the Super Bowl of the uh, travel season here. And so they need to make sure they do this right. And I think 
if everything goes well, then there really shouldn't be big problems. But you never know when that snowstorm is going to hit. I mean, not us, but, you know, the East Coast or something. Um, and uh, any of those types of things can throw a, a big wrench into plans. And so there's always that possibility uh, that, that there could be delays and cancellations like we've seen this month. Can you imagine the chaos if a snowstorm hit LAX? <laughs> uh, Surprise! So, yeah, right. Happy uh, holidays. So what can we do in terms of, like, best practices? If we're trying to make it somewhere, uh, yeah. I guess the obvious is what? Look for something direct, limit your stops. Uh, what else? Yeah, so no question. I mean, being in the LA area, we're fairly blessed to have a lot of different airlines that fly nonstop to a lot of different places. And so, uh, you know, you may you may be tempted to to avoid LAX and fly out of Burbank, but you might be able to get a nonstop flight out of LAX. So you might want to think twice about that this time. Uh, it's it's always better to have a nonstop if you can. And if you're going somewhere on an airline that has multiple nonstops, that gives options if a flight has to cancel. Uh, there are at least more in the market. So that's always a good thing to have. But it, 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 go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, is it is it relatively easy for people to know which airlines have a better track record in terms of on on time departures, cancellation of flights, that sort of thing? Well, you can look those things up. The The government puts out their air travel consumer report. The DOT puts that out. But that's really more backward looking. And the issue is often going to be very dependent upon where is the disruption? So, you know, this past week, uh, American had its struggles. Uh, that was initially caused, uh, not, it, this wasn't the whole reason for it, but it was initially caused because of really high winds in Dallas-Fort Worth, where it has its huge hub. Uh, if the next one happens to be in Atlanta, well, then Delta is going to be the one that's that's struggling. So you never really know for sure, but you can look up at how airlines have done historically, uh, at the uh, DOT website there for the Air Travel Consumer Report. You just Google that. It'll come up. Let's say I'm at the airport and I get the text or I hear the announcement that my flight is canceled. That one's not going. What do I do? Do I get on the app and try and rebook? Do I start tweeting angry messages? Do I pick up the phone and call rather than wait in the line of 200 people? Yeah, the, well, the angry messages are probably not going to help you, but it might make you feel better. So you could do that. But what I would say is do all of these things. It can never hurt. So if you're at the airport already when this happens, get in line. Uh, if you're with multiple people, maybe have someone walk around, see if they can find an agent standing around that's that's not busy and they can help there. Uh, while you're in line, get on the phone with reservations. You can... Uh, you can also, with some airlines, they've started doing some pretty interesting things. You can text United. Uh, you can even, uh, United actually has a program now where they have virtual customer service agents that they kind of press into service. If if there's one airport that's really having trouble, they can bring people in from other areas to help virtually. Uh, so the airlines are trying to to come up with ways to do it. But the best bet is is always trying to take advantage of all the options, not just standing in one line or sitting on hold on one phone and hoping that that's going to solve the problem alone. Does that age-old strategy of uh, traveling, like Christmas, for example, waiting until Christmas Day and then getting a flight, does that actually work? You mean to travel on the off-peak days? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, it's not the same as it used to be with that. You find a lot of people willing to travel uh, on almost every day now. And, and what the airlines will do is if 
there is lower demand on Christmas Day, for example, they'll just pull their schedules down that day. So you'll just have fewer options available anyway. So it's not that same kind of thing where you'll fly on Christmas Day and have a nice empty row to yourself. And if something goes wrong, there's always going to be more more flights later with room. Uh, you'll just find fewer options that day, and the options that do exist will still be full. So that's that's always a You know, you know. We, met, we mentioned, of course, that your blog is called Cranky Flyer, but in light of all the stuff that's been going on, are you crankier? Well, honestly, yeah. I mean, because our air travel business, we're, we're dealing with this stuff every day, and it's been exhausting. <laughs> um, and we don't even have to sit in in you know the airports with this mess, but we're trying to help all these people. Uh, it's been really challenging, and it certainly hurts people's, uh, you know, just their view of is this trip going to be okay? Is it going to be smooth? And at a time when you know people are slowly coming back out of the woodwork and, and trying to get on planes, resume their lives, this kind of thing does make people think twice about some maybe more discretionary trips. But when it comes to the holidays, people want to be with their family, especially after not being able to do it last year. So. I think it's going to be a busy one, and, and hopefully everything will go okay. From the cranky flyer blog to the crankier flyer yeah. blog. <laughs> the very cranky yeah. one. <laughs> Brett Snyder, thanks. Some churches here in L.A. are using Day of the Dead to honor people lost to COVID-19. The holiday is typically celebrated just after Halloween, with families making shrines at home to remember loved ones who have passed away. And some Catholic churches are marking the holiday this year with special memorials and services specifically focused on the lives lost to the pandemic. Priests say they hope these displays can give families the sense of community that was lost during the early days of COVID-19. This is an Odyssey original. Find us on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. 